Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning and welcome to Kesset Church. My name is Danny and I am one of the pastors here. Whether you are watching on Facebook or you are watching at our kessetonline.com venue, I'm just so excited that you have taken some time to, uh, to, I hope, be blessed and to reflect a little with other people about what's going on in this world and, and how it impacts you. Uh, this is also Father's Day, of course, and so I just want to say to all the fathers out there, what an interesting time to, uh, to sit with our children and our loved ones. There are so many conversations happening in so many homes across our nation right now about all that's happening in our world and uh, I feel for you. I feel for you as you search for the, 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 the next right thing to say. I feel for you as you try to, try to breathe life into the generation that, that you are responsible for. And I know that, because I've talked to you, that so many of you are seeking and searching God to, uh, to try and, and, and give those answers to the best of your ability. So uh, I'm honored to serve in a church that is full of fathers like that. This series right now called Kaleidoscope really has a simple purpose and it sits inside that idea of having difficult conversations. The goal of the series is to build upon that idea, that idea that, that we have as a community that is uh, resting in this idea of, of wanting to be a house of conversation. We started off in our introduction week by looking. And through looking, we proclaim that there is a problem. There is something going on in the world that, that maybe we didn't see before, or maybe we didn't see in, in the, the best light before, or maybe we saw as some other areas or regions problem. But with all that's going on in our world right now, it's become clear that that this is more than just someone else's problem. This is affecting, I know it's affecting my family, my conversations, and in a, in a huge way, my worldview. So that's how we started the series. Then from there, we moved to listening. And we talked about what it means to, to listen. And we listed all these verses in the Bible about the power of listening, the power of sitting in silence and trying to understand someone else's perspective. The whole idea behind the kaleidoscope illustration is that a kaleidoscope is really two mirrors uh, facing each other with opposing views of the same beautiful object. And therefore, together, they create this beautiful form that they couldn't by themselves. There's no way to do that without listening, without having what we call called a thy kingdom worldview without recognizing that I only see the world how I see it and you only see the world how you see it. But if we as Christ followers specifically could understand that Jesus came to reframe all that in a, in a beautiful form, in a beautiful way, then we can recognize that both of our worldviews, they, they, they're lacking. Both of our worldviews have something, uh, leave something to be desired. And so that's what we did in our second week. Uh, we ended that talk with this idea that God's kingdom has no rivals, that God's kingdom has no rivals, and that that is what we're going to be about, and that is exactly what we are going to talk about today. We also talked about how we need to be a people who are searching for justice. When we're listening, we're not just listening for the news or, or even listening to make the next right decision. We're listening for what the one who built the kingdom for God's purpose to be accomplished. And so we put up this quote that as Christ followers, we are supposed to be listening for justice. 
This is supposed to be what we're about. And so to those of you who have reached out and said, hey, I feel like this, this topic is a little controversial. I feel like this topic is maybe something that talked about best outside the church. I, I just, with as much love as, as I know how to muster, must share with you that I, I don't believe that's what the church is supposed to do. I don't believe the church can somehow just avoid this and not recognize that it exists, that it's real, that it's impacting, and that we are called to be people who listen for justice. We are called to be people who step into the place with the marginalized, and it's uncomfortable, and it's uneasy, and it's costly, and it's all of those things, but it is still important, and I believe it is incredibly biblical. We closed last week's service with these two questions. One, are you aware of the internal narrative you are telling yourself about people that experience the world differently than you? Through your listening and through your looking, are you aware that there are a whole bunch of people that are experiencing the world differently than you? And I'm talking to our entire audience. As we process through all that's happening around us, are you aware that you only and I only have the ability to see it through the lens of my limited worldview. And so we have to listen well for justice and recognize that our worldview impacts what we say, impacts how we act, and impacts what we feel about things that are happening that impact other people differently. Lastly, I said, are you willing to allow Jesus' teachings on justice to reshape yours? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to, to recognize, hey, I, I agree with Danny or I disagree with Danny and I'm not even sure that's the most important thing. What's most important is that you recognize that our God has given us his word and they have, he has given us his perspective around this topic and it's a beautiful thing that we get to enter into as we are reshaped and reformed in his image. Now this week, we're gonna learn. We're gonna talk, we're gonna share, we're gonna have uh, more of that uncomfortable conversation. Our church, like a lot of churches, is currently full of a range of perspectives around how that conversation should go and, and, and what it should feel or look like. We have people saying, why are you saying so much? We have people saying, why are you saying so little? We have people saying, I'm so offended. And we have people saying, thank you for speaking out. And all those people go to our church and all those feelings are valid and all those feelings are difficult for the person on the other side to hear but it doesn't mean we're not supposed to say it, and it of course doesn't mean we're not supposed to hear it. This is because we as Christians are incredibly split around what is happening in this world. I'd like to tell you that Christians are the one place you can come together uh, and, and fellowship inside and go, yeah, at least we're all together on this topic, and we are not. And I understand that, and I'm still willing to engage where the Holy Spirit is leading, to have the kind of discussions we are going to have today. But this just isn't a Kesset thing. It's a, it's a Christendom thing. As a matter of fact, Barna just put out this statistic. That 94% of Christians believe churches play an important role in racial reconciliation. That it's something we're supposed to be involved in. But only 29% of those 94% believe there is anything the church should actually do. So... A whole bunch of people, almost all of us, think it's an important thing that we are supposed to be a part of. But few of us, a third of us, actually believe we're supposed to do anything about it in order to be a part of it. This is the conflict that, that so many of us are, are sitting within when it comes to talking about this issue. This is our world right now. But it's nothing new. And it doesn't make us any less family. 
We are all children of the creator. On this Father's Day, we can recognize this, that we all belong to him. And that I know in my own household, when I have conflict with my children, I don't just let them not talk to each other. I don't just let them not engage. And I don't let them uh, not, not share abashedly their strong opinions about the thing they're offended by or the thing that they're wrestling with. I sit with them and I, and I coach them and I love them and I tell them how proud of them I am as they engage with one another towards resolution. And I believe that that's what we're supposed to do as Christians as well. We are called to remember that. As a matter of fact, when Paul is writing his letter to the church in Ephesus, this is what he says to them, reminding them about what it means to, uh, to be children of God. And I love it. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We have a duty to sit at the table and talk with our fellow brothers and sisters. We have a duty to hear. We have a duty to look. And we certainly have a duty to, to reflect upon what it is they are saying. And that's exactly what is going to happen in just a few minutes. We at Kesed, we've built a church quite famous now for our togetherness. It's shown through our continuous sacrifice and serving it's shown through all that God has done over the last 11 years. It's shown through the reality that I'm sitting in a building that, that is finished and complete and ready to be filled with God's people. You, who have sacrificed so much through your desire to be together and bring glory to God so that it could all happen. What I believe is that in spite of all of our distance, in, fight of all, in spite of all of our disagreement, in spite of all of our differences, that God's kingdom is supposed to be made known and made abundant. And so today, I'm asking you to sit with me as we have a difficult conversation that continues in that direction, that direction of great sacrifice, that direction of great togetherness. But I know this. I know for a lot of you it's going to be vulnerable. I know for a lot of you it's going to be messy, and I know for a lot of you, you're going to want to turn off the, the screen that you're watching because there's going to be maybe a few things shared that you just, you just adamantly disagree with, and I'm here to tell you that's okay, but don't turn it off. Stay engaged. Stay looking. Stay listening. Stay a part of the conversation and a part of the story because this is the church that you helped build, and it has a beautiful legacy behind it and a, an even more beautiful future, I believe, out in front of it. My hope, and I'll put it up here, is that Kesed will step into what God has already started doing in us 
but perhaps in a way that we never thought of before. Maybe there's something beyond us. Maybe there's something we're supposed to set down. Maybe there's something we've not even imagined yet that God wants to do, but he's not going to do it if we are too busy grappling with, with, uh, with the reasons why we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. And I'm talking about whatever view you have. My hope is that we, in the spirit of togetherness, can, can find a way to sit around that table with our Father and have these difficult conversations. And yeah, it's going to feel scary, vulnerable. But like my very good friend Brene Brown says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It is our greatest measure of courage. And so with the blessing of many, I arranged for a conversation a little earlier in the week, one that I recorded. I gave no scripts. I, I really didn't give much direction. I just invited some people into the room and I said, hey, I want to listen to your lived experience. I want to listen to what it is you are, you are seeing in this world right now. And I have questions and I want to understand. And, and lo and behold, people showed up. And so we put some cameras in the room. We sat in a home and and social distance the very best we could. And we had a discussion that I'm going to share with you now. My hope is that it challenges you. My hope is that it stretches you. My hope is that you listen before you speak. And my hope is that it impacts you in a beautiful way. I love this church and I love who you are. I love that we can have these kinds of conversations. And I'm proud to call it um, and you my family. So thank you for participating. Please watch. Um, listen, I'm really excited that you guys are here. I'm so thankful that uh, Deanna and Justin, you let us come into your house and have this conversation. Uh, a lot of folks know you guys because you help out with announcements and different things like that. Uh, we also have uh, Edward and Laura. I've been friends with these guys for quite a while. They've been with us for, I think, about eight or nine years. And, um, and then, of course, we have Kelly and LaFana, which uh, about two and a half or so years. Is that right? Three years? Am I... Am I stretching that? That How works. Long? Yeah, that's close that's enough, good. right? Uh, I, I do want to admit, I don't have my phone, but we will cut to a shot of this, that, uh, that Kelly, uh, I just recently got his uh, contact information. <laughs> and and uh, when I got it sent to me, uh, I was confused when I was trying to call him back at the, at the select time because the contact information that Kelly sent me just says Big Daddy Robinson on it. <laughs> I'll, and we'll go to a shot of that. But every time I call Kelly now, I'm like, I got to call Kelly. And I'm like, where is he? And I'm like, oh, I got I to look up Big Daddy in my phone and, and give him a call. So thanks for that. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm, sorry. I'm so <laughs> appreciative of that. Uh, I'm just grateful that you guys are willing to sit in this place and have this conversation today. There are a lot of church members that are, that are anxious for us and, and have sort of a uh, been excited about what this conversation is, but don't really know where it's going. And, and as I've told you prior to when these cameras started rolling, um, neither, neither really do I. We want whatever the Holy Spirit wants for our church, for our families. That's why I picked people who are established at Kesed and not just, just random folks that I, I thought would bring something interesting. These are, you guys have all been apart for a while. And uh, I know that we all know what's going on in the world right now. And so uh, we are in a season of listening at Kesed. We are in a season to, to try and understand as best we can uh, the value of, uh, of racial diversity and inclusion and family and togetherness, all from a biblical perspective. And uh, 
the only way I know how to do that is to have a conversation and to have, and I was, I was honest with you guys, to have an uncomfortable one, right? To, to ask some questions that some, some other folks uh, that are trying to see this from a different perspective, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they've ever actually been able to sit uh, with someone who's experiencing the world from a perspective other than our 90% white one uh, and experience what those answers might, might uh, come back as. And so, uh, we thought we would just start uh, with that, if you guys could just uh, talk to us about about racism and you, about about what you're experiencing, about what you're ex- what you're feeling right now. Um, again, no big agenda. I just I, we just want to hear from you guys. Um, what are you? What's going on in your heads right now as you as you watch the news? Anger, a lot of a lot of anger right now. Um, sorrow because. I have some friends that are very good police officers, so I feel sad for them. I feel sad for a lot of just hate just being spewed out there right now. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's really confusing. Very, very confusing. Mm-hmm. I say sad just because it's 2020 and we still have to deal with these same things. Mm-hmm. I've seen my, pretty much my whole life, like mm-hmm. there hasn't been a time in my, there hasn't been a year in my life where I haven't had to deal with some type of racism. Yeah, yeah. tell me about that, what's that? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind was when I was 19. Um, it was July 5th. Me and my friend were just outside. We were lighting off some fireworks down by a school. In the park, there was a church in the school. It's actually her middle school. And we were just lighting off some fireworks. It's July 5th. We had some leftover fireworks. We're lighting them off. Well, a car's coming at us probably about 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Cop jumps out the car, pulls a shotgun. Get on the ground. So we got to lay on the ground. Made us both lay on the ground, searched us, said, what are you guys doing? We're lighting off fireworks. It's July 5th. Why did you need to pull a shotgun on us? And that's what we had to deal with with that. And I think that kind of made him become a lawyer, too, because he wants to fight against that. Type <laughs> stuff, so. So. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's part of the story every day. You, you shared something with me a while back that I shared with some friends that... Uh, that Edward, they, they didn't believe me, at least at first. I, that was my perspective, that they were just trying to process. And uh, you live in Camas. Yes. Uh, the two of you. Yes. And, uh, so um, when I choose to exercise, I choose to run. <laughs> Don't exercise often, but I do choose to run. Um, and just living out there and seeing the things that I've seen. I've seen Confederate flags flying up and down the street. I live right off 192nd. Um, and if I go down that street, I fear someone may oops i may have hit him on accident i lost control of my car being yelled the n-word just uncomfortable just in my own community because i can't i love to run like to run but it just it's a little fear a little scared mm-hmm. yeah yeah because you had mentioned to me that you don't enjoy you you don't because of that uh run uh, and i said well you mean at night no, I don't run during the day. I don't run at night. I definitely don't run at night, but I don't run during the day just for that reason. Because it's it's a very heavy traffic area, but just I've seen some things on that street that I'm like, oh, okay, that's I understand where you stand. <laughs> I appreciate that, but it's not it's not comforting to me. Yeah. Which is a little yeah. scary. So so hearing stories like this, uh, if I you know, because we're talking about shared experiences and and that one's tough for for me to share. I mean, you live in Camas. I lived in Camas part of my, my high school uh, life. And uh, I, I, I've never been afraid to run anywhere. I've never even thought about running. I've never, I would never, I, I wouldn't think about it. It doesn't even, I remember actually hearing that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just was like, really? 
Like that wouldn't even, even knowing now what's going on, I still wouldn't have felt probably like that would be a concern in our little area. Because a lot of times, if I'm honest, that's like how I think of it. I think I feel like I'm a little bit removed mm-hmm. from from a lot of it, and I'm clearly not because you're saying you've seen stuff. I just didn't realize mm-hmm. it was just like what. Well, and I've heard that. Have you? I've heard that from a lot of people, uh, white people from this area, that this isn't something that happens in our area. This is like something that happens like in in major cities and in, in other places. And then the folks just within our faith community are saying, "Oh no, this happens yeah. all the time." In last Sunday, somebody came into the neighborhood at three o'clock in the morning, uh, did a quick U-turn, threw rocks at our car, yelled some profanity and some words, and then drove off. So it's mm-hmm. happening. Last Sunday. Last Last Sunday, Sunday. yeah. Um, Yesterday, I had to have this conversation with our almost 14-year-old son that I am angry that I have to have with him, but um, he's getting older, and my husband's like, just let him walk to the park. He's almost 14 years old. And so I had to have a talk with him about walking to the park. Like, I'm like, you know, what you know what to do if, if anybody stops you I had to tell him because he's deaf and I'm like um, don't reach for your phone because you would think oh I need to type something so that they could know mm. but I'm like baby and he's like I was so like um, he knew I was nervous about him going so he, he like tried to ask what I said you have to put your hands up and you're gonna have to do something like you know like to let them know but what like those are that that conversation should not have to happen, but it has to happen so that they they don't get killed. And that's a conversation I've never had to have with either of my children. It's not even something that would be on my radar to have to talk to them about. Is that that's a normal conversation, like yes. in black families? Yeah. Like like hands it's a steering wheel. Yeah. If you're driving, hands on the steering wheel. You get pulled over. Make sure. <laughs> your license is near you, make sure your insurance is near you, make sure you have your registration, please and yes ma'am, yes sir, yet like be super polite, make sure they don't think that you're threatening or anything like that. Has this all this has always been true or is this heightened at all? It's always recently? Been true. My entire life. So it's just my every, entire life. It's a normal a conversation. conversation that you have in a black household mm-hmm. if you're going out into the world and driving and leaving, the, even just leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Hey, make sure if you get pulled over, if you run into this, make sure you're super polite. Make sure that you don't ask any questions. Just say, yes, sir. I'm on my way to do this. Yes. Even if you know you're in the right, it's... Like he keeps his everything in his visor so you don't have to reach for your glove box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have my concealed weapons permit. I don't carry it. I carry mine, and I'm worried about that. Like, I'm a two-way guy. Like, I'm for the Second Amendment, but I don't have the same privileges as my white friends who carry their guns because it's going to be a different interaction with the police if they see me having a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never thought I've, I, I've never thought about I've concealed, mm-hmm. and I've never been, like, concerned. My only concern with if I get pulled over is just make sure my hands are up or something so they can see me just in case because they don't have a gun. But that's not me worrying about how they're going to perceive me. That's me worrying about trying to make them feel comfortable so that they feel better about not writing me a ticket. That's my legitimate... <laughs> like, I'm completely honest. It has nothing to... Like, so I won't even understand yeah. what... Yeah. I won't carry mine unless I'm traveling at a distance and I'll carry it. So... Mm. I'm going to be honest. 
I feel this is a considered a safer place per se, like per capita than where I'm from in Kent, Washington. But I would, I'm less likely to carry a gun up there than I am down here because up there, I don't see any Confederate flag. There's very few, very rare times that you see the Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a Confederate monument mm -hmm. less than five miles from here. Mm -hmm. Well, this is Washington. Washington wasn't even a state when the Confederacy was that whole fight was going on. So why is that even mm -hmm. here? It's like a monument. <laughs> yeah. It's not even just yeah. a flag. It's like a gated, mm -hmm. giant yeah. thing. Yeah. And what is that for those who who don't know? Maybe what does that speak to you? What is that saying to you? It tells me where you stand, basically. Yeah, it tells you. It tells. It tells me that you don't like me. If you Pretty say, much, yeah, you can say, oh, it's it's about my heritage. Your heritage was they wanted to own slaves. That flag meant mm -hmm. that. So if you want to, the time to go back to that, you want us to be slaves again. Mm. And that side lost. Why would you want to root for them? <laughs> They're losers. Like they didn't win. They're actually fighting against what America wanted to be. Like why would you want to be a part of it? I feel like people use that flag as intimidation towards people of color. Yeah. Just like Confederate monuments, most of them didn't go up until the 1900s. Mm. The war was over for 45 years by that time. Mm. Why is there Confederate monuments going up in black neighborhoods? So it's just, it's a scare tactic. That's what it was at that time for like mm. through the Jim Crow era and through, uh, mm -hmm. what was it? Uh, <laughs> Civil rights era, all that, it's and still it's up in front of us and we have to deal with that on a daily basis. Like, why should I have to look at that? They lost. Why yeah. are we supporting that? You would never go to Germany and see a Hitler sign anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you both have mentioned you all have children, of course, and uh, you've mentioned Can You Believe It's 2020 and we're still talking about this. I was uh, fighting this 19 years ago. Yeah. I actually have a quote in a paper about it. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's the same thing happening over and over again. That's why I was just, uh, it was two, two weeks ago when I, our son came home and he was wearing an Eric Garner, I can't breathe sweatshirt. And I'm like, what? Like six years ago, you bought that sweatshirt and here we are, George Floyd, I can't breathe. Why? Like this just is happening over and over again. The fact that you can put on the same sweatshirt and dealing with the same stuff, mm. it's, it's sick. Mm. Mm. So what does that, what does that uh, bring up for your children? Uh, we, we talked a little bit about hoping, uh, I think you said, Edward, I don't know if Laura was in now on that talk, but that you were hoping maybe your generation was the last generation to have to. I was hoping, yes, very much so hoping that I didn't have to have the conversation with my kids about having to do all the things that I had to do as a kid. I hoped that my kids didn't have to deal with it. I've never, I had a 10 year old son that I had to have a conversation with. And I have to have a conversation with him because he's big, but I'm like, hey, you're big, you're black, you're different than everyone else. They're gonna treat you different. Mm -hmm. They are definitely gonna treat you different. And that's a hard conversation to have because I didn't want to have that conversation with them. You feel like you're taking their innocence away, but you have to, yeah. to protect them. Mm -hmm. So true. Because if you don't, you don't know what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have to be a big goofy guy because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I'm coming off as I'm trying to intimidate them. Right. So I don't, I joke more with people just so they don't feel like, hey, you're trying to intimidate me. Yeah. I don't want that problem at all. I want to go home and see my wife and kids. I want to yeah. see my kids grow up, so. To best understand. So speaking to Kesson, speaking to, um, not to just the national problem, which we, which we recognize, not just uh, the systemic problem that, that I think is, is becoming clearer and clearer. People are finally starting to see, but just, 
the local church problem, just as local church members, what, what do you want to say to people? You want to go or you want me to go? You go um, <laughs> that the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't mean we don't care about everybody. We're just talking about the people that are being hurt right now. All lives matter. Yes, I 100% agree with that. You, my wife's mother is full white. I love the lady. I have no problem with white people. When I'm saying black lives matter, I'm not talking about only black lives. I'm talking about the ones that are affected at this point in time. I wouldn't go to a cancer rally and say, hey, what about AIDS? Like that wouldn't make any sense. So why would you do that if somebody's saying that about Black Lives Matter? It's not to try to denigrate white people. I love white people. Right. Without you guys, I wouldn't be here. But <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, I'm sorry. That was that was what I called for. Uh, should we call for? Can we, can we say that? What? No, no, I'm joking. That was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> a joke. But yeah, it is true. It is true. But I'm just saying, like, it's, I don't have a problem. Like. I want to feel welcome. I want to be treated like a regular American. I don't want two separate Americas. I want it to be one America, but I feel like there's two different Americas that we live within. I don't feel like the church is that way where it's like two different ones, but I feel like there's still a little bit of, not segregation, but like it's a, you, I'll say hi to you, but I wouldn't invite you over to my house type of situation. Mm. So You feel that way? Yes. Okay. Within our church? Yes. Okay. Lafana? Yeah, I feel welcome at the church. I've never felt, um, I've never felt like, I've never felt different or anything at the church. Um, I would like to see more black people at our church. We invite friends and family. I would like to see like, if we could have more like community engagements and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think that would help bring people of color into our church and it would be really nice to see. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, kind of the same sentiment. It's not that I say Black Lives Matter because I think only my life matters, obviously, because my other half mm -hmm. and my children I love dearly, which is one of the reasons why I don't speak up a lot on the matter is because I have my other half, my children, and this and that. Like I, right now is the time for me to actually speak my word, my piece into the world. Um, yes, all lives matter. Right now, I'm asking for help to make it where I don't feel uncomfortable, where he doesn't feel uncomfortable, where she doesn't feel uncomfortable, my kids don't feel uncomfortable when they get older. Mm -hmm. That's where we need help. We, I, I, like I said, I love white people. I love police. I wish everyone the best. I just want right now, like, hey, can we help? Can we police each other so we all can feel better? Mm. So let's talk about how we can help. Let's talk about um, and 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 let's have a frank conversation with us. I think we're uh, we're willing to ask qualifying or clarifying questions if we don't understand. Um, help us to understand. And and I know for a lot in our audience, this is a really touchy subject, but I feel like it's important for us to talk about. And that's this uh, this whole idea and this whole uh, concept of white privilege. So. I'll share with you what I'm understanding about it and then you clarify if I'm close or if I'm not. So, so white privilege, from my understanding, is not this idea that I don't struggle as much as the next black man or that my wife, uh, who's half Mexican by the way, but she looks fairly white and we've talked about this a lot, uh, doesn't struggle as much as the next white woman. It's that as she wakes up and goes about her day, her skin color is not part of that struggle. 
Um, I have never in my life thought about my skin color before I walked into a room or before I went for a job interview or before I tried to get a loan or I just, I just don't think about it. I'm just Danny and I do what Danny does and I don't think about the color of my skin. And that is a privilege, if I'm understanding it right, that is a privilege that, that a lot of white people don't even realize they have because it's not something that they're thinking. It's, we just don't think about it. You tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know when's the last time you thought about what color you are versus the the world that you were or even how you have to dress i think because like like i love beanies and sweatshirts and and things like that and so i've never once thought about ooh, how how is this how am i gonna my dressing going to affect Mm -hmm. how people perceive me Mm -hmm. and i know that that's probably something you have to take into consider and i'm like i wear slacks and a button-up to go to work every day the first thing i do is i take my sweat i take my pants off put sweats on put a hoodie on but that comes across for a lot of people oh he's just another thug or he's just another this he's just another that that's one word i want to get rid of is thug (laughs) that word huh yeah Mm. I hate that word. I think one thing to the character about like privilege, it doesn't mean, it just means it's one less thing to overcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's really what it comes down to. It's one less thing that you have to overcome. So being white is one less obstacle for mm-hmm. you. It doesn't mean you won't have 10 other obstacles. It's just one less. It's kind of like me going for a run. You guys never had to think about that. That's part of being privileged because you don't have to think about, oh, where do I have to run? What do I have to do here? It's like walking into a... It, it's it's like walking into a store. And who's going to be offended by me? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be offended? Who's not going to be offended? Where do I have to like, okay, cool. Hey, how are you? Security watching. Yes. Following you through the store. Yeah. Someone helping you. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Or, yeah. or not helping at all. Yeah. <laughs> or names. It's true. So like I purposely, Julian and Brooklyn are named that way. Specific, well, Julian's my best friend's middle name but like specifically so when they go to get a try to go for a job their names aren't going to be the thing that holds them back yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I know true. some i know there's been some names that would be okay like northwest is a black a name that a black person names <laughs> but some white people have named their kids apple yes. and that'd be okay because that's it's true but a weird name like travion is not fauna yeah. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. That's why I just left it out with the, with but our children. True. Yeah. Like yeah. I started changing my names on my resume to Marie because I'd get more callbacks mm-hmm. by not saying, "Hi, this is Lafana." I would just say, this "Or she'll is say her name's Kelly if we're applying for something. She'll just say her name's yeah. Kelly, because which is weird because they see this big black guy walking. They're like, "You don't look like her." <laughs> we actually literally had that conversation just the other day about names. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, our kids are kind of on that line, so. Quentin and Malachi. Mm-hmm. Well, so one thing, one thing I'll say is the more I learn about what's going on and the more I have conversations like this, mm-hmm. the more I recognize how, like I've never ever considered myself racist, but I definitely am learning how ignorant I was to like the broad spectrum of what you could classify as you know, racist or um, what did you, what name do you call it? Um, not unconscious n- bias. Yeah, like having an unconscious bias to stuff, right? Like, you know, like even if it's not like standard racism, the more I'm learning, like, oh, I had no, I, I had no idea, like, no idea that, like, the word you used actually when you said you go in and make people feel uncomfortable, that is a thought, that is a thing, you know. But then when I used to hear somebody say, um, you know, you you've got white privilege, 
for, for whatever reason, to me, it, it felt very derogatory, not bad, but like, a, um, I don't even know how, I don't remember, I don't know how to explain it really, like, but just kind of like I did something wrong, and I'm like, but I'm, I never grew up, like, I didn't try to do anything wrong. What did I do? Like, I don't understand what's going on right now. I think but, we kind of discussed that word. It's almost kind of like how you're defining white privilege, right? Like, you can... Yeah, you in can, my mind, yeah. it was, it was, it was like, well, you did this to me, and da, 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 and I was like, but I felt like I didn't do anything to, mm -hmm. like, how do I get around that one? I didn't, you know, yeah. but when you, when I hear it explained, like, you're explaining, like, well, it's the fact that you haven't had to think about the color of your skin in any sort of situation at all. Oh, okay, that's I wouldn't have thought about that being a privilege. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like for us, like lately with everything that's been happening, the fact that we have a lot of friends reaching out to us and just wanting to hear, like asking us just questions just to get to know, like we were asked two weeks ago, do you guys really feel like there's prejudice here in Washington? Mm -hmm. Like, and they were like, they didn't know. And to just the fact to, to be vulnerable to ask those questions meant so, it has meant so much to us. Real big. And it just makes us look at, at, at people a different way. I think that, um, yeah, just being vulnerable to ask those questions is huge. So can I ask a question that's not really related to this yeah. specifically, but I'd love to throw it. Okay, so remember how you were saying that like you see the Confederate flag, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, it lets me know exactly what you think. Like, mm -hmm. you probably don't like me. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. So me coming from a place where I feel like I would, what if I was on the other side of the spectrum, right? And I'm like, well, I want to show that I am not like that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I can do to make, like if I see you and I don't know you, I've never met you, to make you feel more comfortable so that you, don't think that I might be a way that I'm or that not. Maybe, or maybe an ally to, to yeah yeah to show allegiance the opposite you know what I mean like I'm always looking at like how do I fix how do I fix it right <laughs> like which is so totally ridiculous because it's not so simple but is there anything that uh, just saying hi that's a big one yeah too. just saying if you're walking by and you're, oh hey how you doing just you don't have to interact interact and have full conversation and just a hey how you doing you doing good good that makes me not feel so. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Can't think of the word. It just makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. It makes me feel more comfortable. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. He's not against me. He's probably with me. Even if it's just a hey, yeah. a wave, something like that. <laughs> so simple, though, right? It, it is. It is. It's so simple. Do people really just not do that? I mean, I know that seems yeah. like an ignorant question, but people don't do it to me. Yeah. I have to yell at people sometimes. Like, I can help you out down here, and they're like, oh, 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 oh. I'm like, okay, I just, I just won't talk to you. <laughs> um, today, and and this is too on on our side. We have these preconceived thoughts as well um, to see if a person's going to say a certain thing to us. And I know this myself. So walking out of Winko, I saw the guy at the front and he's like, okay, have a good day. Have a good day. And I'm like, let's see if he says have a good day to me. That's just my preconceived thoughts because I'm like, let's see if this guy, and he didn't. And I said, have a good day. And he didn't say anything to me. So like you said, say hi, say, say have a good day. Like, because us who have... We're on an alert, you know, we're going to think a certain way. Now, I wouldn't go and say, oh, you know, all white people are that way or whatnot. I'll still continue to say, have a good day, have a good day. But I, we do carry that. It does us. put it in the back of your head. Yeah. It definitely puts it in the back of your head. If I, especially if I said, hey, have a good day. And then it's like, 
You just stare at me. I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like to make those situations awkward. You do. I'll go give you a hug. He does. You I'll do give that. you a hug. I don't care. <laughs> it happens. I don't care. Make it as awkward as possible. Well, for me personally, if you see an injustice happening and yeah. you stand up for it, that's big to me. Big. Like if you see something that's wrong and you know it's blatantly wrong, like why are you treating them like that? Like that's just wrong. Say something. Don't don't be afraid. You. If you said something, because I don't come off as the big mean black guy at that point in time, mm -hmm. you said something, it changes it at it that does. point in time for me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, man, thank you. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Not everybody's like that, but for me, that's the way I would feel personally. Mm He's -hmm. policing your own friends. Yeah. You're around your friends and something's going on. They're saying something, they're doing something, and you're like, hey, you should stop that. Yeah. You shouldn't sit, talk like that. Like, it's... I'm I'm not a big black man. I'm a very small black man. <laughs> but it's still there's still that fear that's there. And that's what I want to get rid of is that fear cuz I'm not here to hurt anyone. I just want to have fun. That's all I want to do is just have yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking to my parents and one of the things he said was it just starts at home. Right. Mm -hmm. So having conversations, friends, loved ones, being willing to listen, like when you said the other week, you know, getting messy and just kind of yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect. It yeah. doesn't have to be clean. It doesn't have to you have the right words. Mm -hmm. Just being able to be there and listen. I mean, we even had a great conversation with my parents who mm -hmm. love him, but sometimes they're not as educated as they could be and they were actually being willing to be open and I think that's one of the things lately we've talked about is that it feels like this time could be different. And we're hoping yeah. that it is. The conversation's a lot better now. Yeah, it, it feels like there's, it used to be like the people that were oppressed and then the people that, that were in power and doing the oppressing and having these conversations. And it feels like there's a lot more people in the middle who are like, wait, am I part of this? It's what you said of like, I, I don't. And, and even this is perhaps one of the most uncomfortable conversations we've had, not for me in the room, but I know for people watching, because there's just a whole bunch of people who have been very honest with me. They just don't think this is a problem. This is something that happens in big cities and it happens to other people. And, and it's just not true. It's just not true. And, and by bringing members of our body forward and not really scripting, not really saying anything other than, hey, share with us about your shared experiences. And immediately you're just, you're just lined up with, it feels like a lot of the injustice that people are proclaiming exists in everyday life. And then you've got folks that are, that are struggling to do the best they can and are going, but I don't experience that injustice. I experience other things, but I don't experience that. I don't worry about what, what I want to name my kids. It's not a conversation I've ever had in my life. I thought I would not no, even think about that. I, no, I just name them what I want, right, babe? Whatever I wanted. That's yeah. what we do. Whatever you wanted. <laughs> so in our church, uh, to our people, and we'll just kind of we'll just kind of wrap this thing into maybe some closing thoughts. What what would you like them to hear from you? The folks that you sit and worship with, the the people who serve the same God you guys do, whose kids play with your kids and children's. Uh, I think it has to start, uh, I think a lot of us are so activated by the news and all that's going on that it's become something you almost, like you said, like, what am I supposed to do? And what, what, how do we engage this? Just, just uh, obviously through prayer, obviously through learning, obviously through things like this series that we're just continuing to hear from other perspectives, uh, whether we agree or not agree. I'm not expecting everybody at home watching to be like, oh, I agree with everything that was said today. I'm just expecting them to engage in the conversation. And that's what today is. That's why it's like, hey, where are you at and what are you feeling? So what, what are you hoping they hear about your lived experience and, and about um, this community we're building together? 
I would say that it's real. Like it's not, I'm not trying to make up anything. I don't want, it doesn't make me feel good to have to tell these stories to my kids or to tell these stories to anybody else. It's a terrible thing that I have to say these stories, but these are real things that actually happen. Acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge the fact that these things do happen. I know that you don't see them, but they actually happen. Yeah. It's real. It, like that definite, it resounded. It is real. It happens. Even though you don't want to see them, even though sometimes I don't want to see them, it happens. It definitely happens. And it sucks for our kids to have to go through this. I wish that we all can get better and help out. So it'd be a ripple effect. Like, hey, it goes on to this person. Hey, it goes on to this person. Hey, it goes on. And then it ripples versus stopping in just the homes that we all live in. Yeah. I think everyone can make change. I mean, your initial reactions, oftentimes how you were raised, but how you respond after that is who you are. Mm-hmm. So we can always sometimes maybe start to do something wrong or not correct. But once you see that, learn about it and try to do better the next time so that you become that person that you want to be. I gotta be honest, I didn't think um, your answers to some of this would be so, I guess not simple, but I thought it would be like a complex, like, well, what are, what can we do? And you guys are like, stop injustice, say hi, like things like that. I, I'm just honestly blown away, like that that is a thing. Yeah. Like, that just seems like it should be normal, but it's not, apparently. It should be. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, the sad thing is that there's intimidation by our skin color, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think us as a church, to get past that, to get past that, it's evident that that's a thing. And we need to acknowledge, like you said, acknowledge that... Um, that we have those thoughts that that white people have those thoughts you know about being intimidated by the color of our skin just to you know get past yourself and say hello and and say hey is this your husband or you know just a little bit of conversation and um, conversation is key for sure and I'm big on hugs, so. Me too. <laughs> you guys just want to come up and hug? Oh, Let's make it weird. <laughs> Let's make it weird. Yeah. So is that an invitation for uh, 900 white people to hug you? I'm good with that. For Sunday. I'm good with that. All Let's right. make it happen. All right. <laughs> You're next to me, though. You got to yeah. stand next to me. I'm do- I'll do it. Let's do it. As long as I get a parking spot. That is right. <laughs> That's right. The hugging spot. <laughs> Well, you guys are, are really special to us, and uh, I appreciate you just kind of coming and engaging. I appreciate you guys and sitting in the, the, like, <laughs> the processing, which is so much of what we're all doing together. And uh, my hope is that as the series continues that we keep having more of these. I, I want to do a few more conversations like this as, as the culture of our church kind of continues to awaken. I'm sure there'll be a lot of frustrated people. I'm sure there'll be a lot of confused people. I'm sure there'll be a lot of... Uh, people that wish this wasn't true as as you each have said but i know that more than anything i want to i want to i want to please our god i want to please the one who made us how we are and uh i want to do that by by talking about what we're all experiencing it and validating it and then uh doing the best we can to say hello and i love you and i i think you're important and i think you're precious and <laughs> And I, I just want to bring glory to God by creating a space like that right here in our city. So that's my hope. So thank you all. Yeah, thank you. 
my wife and I left that experience changed. We left there with uh, more questions, I think, than, than we came with. We left there with conviction. We left there with empathy. We left there with, with this, uh, this agreed upon understanding that, that there's more that we could have been doing and more that we should do. I don't know what you're leaving this video with, but I do know that it is the Holy Spirit's job to spend time with you in reflection. I do know that since we started this church with just a handful of people that we've always trusted that, that God is our lead pastor, that he is the one who drives uh, these experiences and that especially in the uncomfortable places, it is him that creates something new from oftentimes something we didn't even know we were missing. And so as we spend our week continuing to look around, as we spend our week continuing to listen, and now as we spend our week really being curious and inquisitive and learning from other people who have experienced the world differently than us, may we find comfort in the Holy Spirit and that discomfort. May we find some, some cracks in our foundations, especially our worldview foundations. May we recognize that, that we serve a God who is constantly rebuilding the world around us to be closer to thy kingdom and his will. And we as Christians are called to be a part of it. I'm blessed to be in a church like this one that can sit in these kinds of spaces. I know there's gonna be a lot of difficult conversations, but I know that the father that we serve, he doesn't want us to get up from the table. He wants us to share. He wants us to hurt. He wants us to be honest. And in the end, he wants us to come together as the family we are. I love you, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for who you are and the way you lead. We are so very grateful that we can sit in this place and talk about these kinds of things with you as our guide. We praise you, Lord. May you walk with us during our times of reflections. In Jesus' name, amen.